from Future Founders HQ in the podcasting studio at 1871 in downtown Chicago, this is The Insider, your fast pass for the latest news, tools, and debates for young entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Future Founders Podcast. My name is Kelly Bertog and I'll be your host today. We're doing something a little bit different with the pod today. I've actually compiled three separate interviews that I took over the last couple of weeks with three of our female founders. This month is all about celebrating the women entrepreneurs in our network. And so we sat down with three of our most successful and talked about what it means to be a female founder, some of the challenges they face, some of the resources they use, and some of the advice they'd give to young women that are just starting their businesses today. So stay tuned and enjoy our interviews with Shannon Varco, founder of Zixticks, Bree Makarik, founder of Bright Bites, and Kat Samarja, founder of Locker Lifestyle. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Future Founders Podcast. My name is Kelly Bertog, and I'll be your host for today. I am joined by Shannon Varco, one of our Future Founder Fellows from 2017 and the founder of Zixticks. Shannon, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, just to get started, for those that maybe haven't heard about your business, would you mind sharing just kind of a, a quick quick overview as to uh, what Zixix is? Yeah, absolutely. So Zixix is a business that I started um, when I was a student at Lehigh University, and it's a open-ended wooden building toy that's all manufactured in the United States, and it's um, just a pretty simple uh, individual pieces, but the way that they connect create really complex structures and it's all open-ended, doesn't include any instruction manual and really encourages that open-ended free-form play to get kids kind of building with their hands and off of their screens. Perfect. Excellent. And uh, we'll certainly let listeners know later how to to find you guys. But, uh, you know, as you know, the, the reason we wanted to chat today, obviously, there's a lot of insights you can offer, and we've already had you on the podcast several times, but uh, this month in particular, uh, International Women's Day is coming up, and there's a lot of things going on where we're, we're really trying to focus on and celebrate some of the female founders that have gone through our programs and talk about some of the you know unique challenges and opportunities that uh, go along with being um, you know a, a female founder and, and you know working within what traditionally has been a pretty male-dominated industry. And so to start, I just wanted to to ask, you know, what are some of the, I guess, in your opinion, some of the biggest challenges facing female founders in particular? And um, I'd love to hear any stories or one or two examples of, of ones that you faced personally and, you know, how you overcame them. It's hmm, such a good question. And I'm, I've been trying to think of some stories and things like that, but um, I think so much in the media that I've, you know, even known about centers so much in women entrepreneurship around uh, funding and fundraising. And that hasn't been um, a route that I've taken with my business um, in terms of venture capital or taking on outside investment. Um, and I don't know if that's because of those things that I've heard, but it, it really isn't because it's just not been the right choice for my business so far. Um, but I think that's where I've seen so many different stories come from the challenges there. But in my own experience, I think, um, I think it's just sometimes difficult when, you know, you go to a business playing competition or even in some of the different entrepreneurship programs I've been a part of that I've been uh, sometimes the only female or one of just a very few. Um, and so I think 
um, sometimes that's been fun for me to kind of get to be uh, sort of the underestimated <laughs> group <laughs> meeting um, in a space. But so I've kind of taken it on in a way that sometimes it's a fun challenge. Um, but it is sometimes difficult because people just have a very different experience and it can be a little bit hard to, you know, kind of connect with the experience of others. Uh, if, you know, there's not other females in the room. Sure. Um, but I think, um, another kind of area where it's been challenging is in finding manufacturing. So for me, um, you know, finding a, a manufacturer to work with in, the woodworking industry, also a very male dominated industry. And so coming in as a female inventor where I had been making all the pieces myself in the wood shop, um, at my school, I think I was a little bit underestimated at the wood shop at my school alone. Um, because I think that often, you know, um, they wouldn't see somebody with like big blonde curly hair walking into the wood shop ready to use the table saw. Um, and I kind of came in with the confidence that I think sometimes surprise people. Um, and I think that kind of came true when I was looking for manufacturing that um, often I think a lot of individuals didn't expect me to be as knowledgeable about the tools and the processes that it took to create the product. And so I sometimes had to overcome that by, you know, sharing a little bit of my background and my credibility to get them to even be willing to have a conversation about some of the details with me, um, which I did find here and there um, a little bit challenging. So those are kind of a couple that come to mind. Very interesting. It sounds like a lot of this has been very focused on, you know, you taking conscious steps yourself to, I guess, maybe adjust or better adapt to the situation, whether or not that's, uh, you know, right or wrong uh, is neither here nor there, but, you know, whether it be kind of turning the situation of being perhaps the only female in a pitch competition from, oh, that, you know, maybe that kind of sucks to, oh, this is actually a cool opportunity. I'm the only female in this pitch competition or, you know, you know, talking about, gathering that confidence before speaking with manufacturers and things like that, which is, is all very, um, very great advice. Uh, what I would want to ask on top of that, though, is where are areas do you feel like the, um, you know, I'm going to use this as a broad term, but the, the industry needs to change or adapt or what can be done in the, in the startup ecosystem to make things, uh, you know, a little bit more inclusive for women and, and make entrepreneurship in general more inclusive. And is there any advice, um, you know, for myself or any other uh, males that are in the industry as well, things that we could be doing to perhaps make, make it a little bit uh, better of an environment for women? Yeah, I mean, I by no means have all the answers. And I think um, another thing to kind of add is that I think I've just over my lifetime in funny ways have found myself in rooms uh, just with a lot of, um, or I guess in spaces that aren't common for a lot of women. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I was a mechanical engineering major. There were not very many women in my degree program. So I've just kind of, I think, had a lot of experience um, even at a young age in that kind of environment. So I don't know if that, I'm sure that has had some impact on maybe it, um, you know, seeing it as more of a, an opportunity than necessarily always a challenge. Um, but I think to answer your other question, I think something that comes to mind is that has bothered me a little bit is when you see like a panel or at different conferences that there seems to always be maybe, well, if there is any women um, on that panel or speaking that maybe there's only one, um, and it often feels a little bit like, oh, okay, well, they just, you know, they added one woman and, and that's maybe progress. But I think sometimes, um, 
having it be more equal in terms of uh, representing representing different perspectives when it comes to certain areas. So, um, and I think there are women that are working on all sorts of different types of technologies and in all different kinds of industries. And so being able to be representative of that um, is really important for people. Sure. No, that, that makes total sense. Actually, this is something I think about a lot. Um, I was at a, an all-day conference in Chicago here last Friday, and there was a panel that I went to, one of the breakout sessions, and it was a panel, and all five of the experts up front were women. But it wasn't one of those where I feel like I've only ever seen that when it's the quote-unquote women's panel on X or women's right. panel on Y, but this was just the expert panel on X and all the exactly. experts they selected was, was uh, you know, were women, which was so wonderful and refreshing, but also a little disheartening because I realized the reason I paid attention is because it's so rare uh, to see something like that. So I, I, I totally. Uh, but I think that's exactly what I'm trying to say is that it's not just, you know, it's not just a panel of women because it's the women's panel, you know, but mm-hmm. also because it's the expert panel. And I think that that, you know, starts to move the mark um, a bit more when it's, you know, what, that we're not just you know, finding, it's not just that it's the best experts. And then also these women who are here too, it's the women are, can be the best experts. Um, And and many times are, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that, that, um, you know, not just being drawn out as a separate thing, but just actually included in the bigger um, whole is really important too. Absolutely. No, that, that makes total sense. Um, Do you, do you have any I guess, resources or, and I'll use that as a broad term, um, in terms of whether it be mentors or peer groups or even books, podcasts, things like that, that you found helpful, uh, specifically as a, a female founder, um, is there anything that you lean on to kind of help you on that journey? Oh, absolutely. So I think definitely female mentors in my life have been, um, so crucial and just in conversations and in learning from their experiences and their encouragement. And I'll add to that, you know, I've got a lot of mentors that are also male, you know, and so I think that it's not just specific to that. Um, but in terms of getting, you know, understanding the perspective of other women founders, something I love is just following, um, really amazing female founders on social media. So, um, on Instagram, I absolutely love following Sarah Blakely from Spanx. Um, I love, I'm trying to think, and I just find their stories and their posts really inspirational, just being able to kind of follow the the good and the bad and the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship from their perspective. Other favorites are Ellen Bennett from Headley and Bennett um, on social media. And she's also, there's kind of this, you know, group of people that are all connected. And I think, you know, Jenny Britton Bauer from Jenny's Ice Cream, um, seeing her and Ellen's adventures together, just being, you know, female founders that are supporting each other in their businesses, which are so different. Um, But I'm so inspired by, you know, relationships and friendships of women entrepreneurs and have found that as well through future founders, just the, the friendships I've been able to form with the other women founders, even though our businesses are so drastically different and in different industries, um, just that, kind of connection and strong female friendship um, is just a huge factor in my life. So being able to kind of find and see that in others who are maybe down the road in terms of their business success is always really fun to kind of follow along with. Um, And then I'll also add, I think you mentioned 
podcasts and books. Um, I absolutely love the podcast Second Life. And it's all around the stories of women who maybe started a career in one way and then found kind of their second life as an entrepreneur um, in some other way that was informed by kind of the things that they did early in their career. And just some of the stories there are so interesting and um, really impactful um, and inspiring for me. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. And and I would second I mean, obviously, there are, there are different degrees of mentorship, and and depending on where you are and what you need, um, it's it's certainly good to have a variety. Uh, but in terms of, yeah, we we live in this great age of for all the maybe negatives of social media. One of the great positives is that you can sort of make anyone your mentor now by following okay. them on social media and and you know really consuming their content in a thoughtful manner and really listening mm-hmm. and observing. And uh, I think, uh, quite honestly, you mentioned Sarah Blakely. I think she is by far my favorite follow out of any any network any um i most of it i get through linkedin i believe but uh, like yeah. watching her and and it's the right mix of motivation it's it's kind of pulling back the curtain on a lot of parts of the industry that might not have been so transparent before she is yeah. humorous it's entertaining like all of those come together and it's it's probably you know some of the most uh, her posts are some of the most uh, i guess engaging and ones that i look forward to more than than really anyone else and yeah it's you know it's it's free to follow her and get that advice so certainly take right. advantage yeah, and there are just so many. I mean, I mentioned, yeah, her, Ellen, Jenny, um, Britt Morin from Britain Co. is another great one, and she kind of shares kind of the inside out, like you were mentioning. And I just love that because, you know, there you're right. In social media, there are so many challenges that come along with it, but I think kind of finding these inspirational or sort of like shadow mentors um, through social media, and they're so willing to share um, and it is pretty awesome to get to kind of follow along with their stories and, and learn and see, you know, that they didn't start. I think the thing that's really important that I've learned from that is that they didn't start, you know, where they are now and that they really can share kind of you know, sort of the messy stuff that got them going. And then, um, you know, how that has pro- projected them to where they've gotten to now. And it's really kind of a refreshing look at it. Yeah. I think a lot of them do a great job too. And they're, they're much better than, than men, I would say at, at sort of showcasing entrepreneurship where it's, it's not an either, or it's not, I'm either an entrepreneur or I'm a family person, or I'm not, you know, an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. or I'm a social, you know, I, I, I have social impact or this and that they, they kind of show you how to do it all, which I really Mm -hmm. appreciate. And I don't see that a lot from, you know, a lot of the male entrepreneurs that I follow online. It's all about the business, all about the business, which is great. And you learn some stuff, but I like having that mix of, you know, I don't need to necessarily, you know, I just got married last summer. I don't need to put off having a family until I have a business or this. Like you can do both. And, um, you know, some of these inspirations that you're naming are definitely helping showcase that through these channels. Yeah. And I think another thing too, that, that I love that you said that, because that made me think of, um, another thing kind of to one of your previous questions is a, what's a way that we can make things more inclusive. And I, I think something I've tried to do is ask those, those same questions that always get asked, to women entrepreneurs, but not always men um, or male entrepreneurs are those questions about family and how do you balance those things? And I think, you know, asking those questions is important. And, you know, we love hearing those stories of women because they are willing to share. We're used to that. But I think I've tried to anytime that I'm on a panel or, or hearing a male entrepreneur tell his story, you know, being the one that asks the question of, well, how about your family? How about, you know, all those kinds of the personal side of things, because it's important, I think, to ask 
everybody that question, mm-hmm. not just women. Um, and I think that starts to maybe level the playing field a little bit in terms of that perspective um, from both sides is really important. Totally agree. Um, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time here. I just, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about finding inspiration online and, and peer resources. We've talked about some of the things that um, all of us can be doing to make the, the startup ecosystem more inclusive for women, you know, and, and how you've done a lot of, um, you know, work yourself in terms of kind of, uh, you know, reframing certain situations where you might be the only female and, and you know, kind of how to address some of those areas where it's it's challenging and it's tough to be a female founder. Uh, the, the last question I want to leave you with is, is there anything else we haven't talked about that, you know, if, if you were to run into someone today that's, you know, hey, I got this idea, tomorrow is day one, I'm starting this business, um, a, a, you know, a, a young female mm-hmm. founder, is there anything else that you would uh, potentially share with them based on your experience or that you'd want them to know as they begin this journey? Yeah, I think, oh man, it's such a good, it's such a good question. There's probably just so much I would want to say to somebody <laughs> um, in those shoes because I've learned just so, so much over the last few years running my business and growing it and having so many ideas for other things I want to start. So I would probably overwhelm somebody with all the things I'd want to tell them. But if I had to pick one thing, um, I think it would be to just try starting it with what you have or, you know, as what you can get to just get started. Because I think so many times, and, you know, I don't want to broadly generalize for all women or anything, but I've experienced, you know, the want for things to be perfect before, saying that you're doing it or before trying it or before, um, you know, showing, like showing your work or showing your product or your sharing your idea with somebody that you want to kind of have so much figured out before you start sharing it with the world. Um, and that is something that I've seen, you know, in myself and in other female founders, that kind of fear of the imperfection of sharing something that I don't always see from male entrepreneurs that they'll kind of say they've got it figured out before they figure it out. Mm -hmm. And women will not say that they've got anything until they have it all figured out. And so kind of finding that happy medium um, between having enough figured out that you can start to share it, but then also the willingness to say, here's what I have, but I don't have it all figured out yet, but I'm learning and I'm trying and I'm going to figure it out. I think is so much, um, is the advice I would want to give somebody then to just kind of hold on to your ideas and never do anything with them, but that you are capable of so much more than you think. And it doesn't have to be perfect for you to get started. Um, would probably be my advice. I love that advice. And I'm absolutely going to have you back on because I've actually, <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about the idea of, um, fake it till you make it in the entrepreneurship community and, and, there are some benefits, of course, but in general, I actually think we've taken that way too far, and it's it's becoming. Yeah, I really don't like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I really, really don't like that. Fake it till you make it, because I I can't, I could not do that, um, and can't do that in my business at all. And so, um, yeah, I would love to have a, a longer conversation about that for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we will we will certainly have you back again, um, Shannon. I can't thank you enough for joining us. Where can people learn more about you and your business? Yeah, so um, you can find out about Zixsticks on buildzyx.com. Um, you can follow us at that at buildzyx on all different social medias. And um, if anyone has any questions or follow up, um, feel free to email me. Um, it's shannon at buildzyx.com. 
Excellent. Well, Shannon, thanks again for joining us, and we'll uh, we'll yeah, chat soon. Good. Great. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Future Founders Podcast. My name is Kelly Bertog, and I am your host today. I am joined by Bree Makarik uh, from Bright Brights, um, and she is actually one of our fellows from the 2019 cohort. Uh, Bree, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excellent. So before we dive in, I was hoping uh, for those that maybe haven't heard of you before or seen your business, uh, if you can just explain a little bit about what you do. So I run a company called Bright Bites, and we produce dairy and gluten-free probiotic snack bites for busy on-the-go individuals. So the probiotic in each bite is actually your daily serving. Instead of taking a pill or supplement that isn't tasty or convenient, we put it into delicious food. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you again for joining us. And as I explained earlier, uh, Future Founders is spending the entire month of March. Um, obviously, it's International Women's Day coming up and a couple of other big events. And we are using this month to really highlight and focus on the female founders in our network and kind of celebrate as well as, uh, you know, strategize and, and kind of brainstorm different ideas to perhaps uh, help grow the um, the female entrepreneurship community. And so to start, I was wondering if you could p- perhaps share a time or two where you faced a challenge um, as a female founder, one that you thought maybe was specific to being a, a woman entrepreneur and, and how you overcame those challenges. So I think there are different a bunch of different challenges. Um, one that I definitely did face and still constantly face is just the fear of failure. Um, as a female, we put so many expectations. Especially, I hold myself to a very high standard, higher than anyone else ever expects me to do something, and so I never want to disappoint. Um, the other one is building a support network, and that was definitely harder in the beginning and finding those like-minded people um, before getting connected to future founders and having other female um, fellows in our cohort and other organizations. And then one that I haven't faced yet is that um, raising of capital. And so I know that's something that's spoken a lot, a lot about right now, it's something I haven't faced yet, um, just as we are at that stage. Um, but it is something that's really widely talked about in the entrepreneurship ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, a couple of things here, but I wanted to talk about uh, the idea of, of building that peer network because uh, I think that's super important for any entrepreneur and uh, certainly some of the other female founders that we've talked to on our network did mention that as well as one of the kind of the biggest challenges is is finding that network and, and often going to these events where the they're, you know, the only woman in the room sometimes. And so uh, I was curious if you had any recommendations on, you know, obviously you participated in the Future Founders program here, but in addition to that, how you went about finding different resources, um, you know, both in person as well as potential digital ones. I mean, we, you know, we've talked a lot uh, on this podcast before too, of there's a lot of great things out there in terms of um, you know uh, podcasts and books and even social media groups and things like that that you can participate in. And I was just kind of curious if you could share a little bit about the types of resources that you've sought out and uh, ones that have proven to be very helpful as a female founder. Yeah. So for podcasts, there's a podcast called Girl Boss um, and one called Million Dollar Woman. Um, that I listened to. And then I actually am fortunate enough to be a part of our woman in entrepreneurship student organization at Michigan State University. 
So either looking if your school, if your student entrepreneur um, has any type of entrepreneurship program and maybe wants to start a woman in entrepreneurship group, or if they already have something going, um, that's been a great resource. And we've been able to connect with people that are currently student entrepreneurs, as well as alumni. And then something called SoGal Group. It's uh, actually virtual and across the country, um, but they're actually starting a chapter in Detroit, Michigan that I'm going to be part of. Um, in the next couple months. So that is actually one of the largest education empowerment groups for women and diverse founders. Um, Lots of different competitions and pitch competitions and then just those resources. Haven't participated in anything yet, but I'm looking forward to when all that kicks off. Excellent, excellent. So kind of talking about these resources you use to better your experience as a a female entrepreneur, I was wondering if you could share... um, any thoughts or insights just on, on your experiences or, or even just what you've heard about? Obviously, you talked about funding, even though you haven't necessarily had to go down that road yet. Um, in terms of what the, the startup ecosystem can be doing to make it more make itself more inclusive for female founders and, and you know what you would like to see in the coming years to kind of help change the dynamic. Um, obviously it's traditionally been a very, uh, male dominated industry from, you know, from capital to just the number of founders that are male versus female. And, um, it's certainly starting to shift, but I'm, I'm curious if you have thoughts on, uh, ways we could accelerate that and, and, you know, make it even more inclusive, uh, for female founders like yourself. Yes, it definitely has started to shift. Uh, one thing I would like to see is starting from a younger age group even so getting to the high schoolers and middle schoolers and they might not be starting a business right away but it's giving them the confidence to be independent and know that they can be a boss and they aren't just going to have to work for someone else um so building up those younger females confidence levels self-confidence um and personal and professional skills um, that might allow them to start a business right away or in college or in 10 years. Um, And then just going and not being the only female in a room at networking events, pitch competitions, bringing more diversity into any type of entrepreneurship event, especially when there's judges or speakers involved and it's a panel of all males. It's definitely something that I know me and my female counterparts notice um, and just wish that they could mix it up because there's so many different perspectives um, from both males and females and nobody's always right or wrong. There's just different viewpoints. I completely agree. And, and I was actually at a conference on Friday and there was a panel I attended and it was all female and it wasn't a, you know, the women's panel of X or the women's panel of Y was just mm-hmm. the expert panel and it happened to be all women. And it was so refreshing and also a little disheartening because I realized the reason it was so noticeable is because it never happens. And so, um, I, I, I certainly agree with you there of whether it's a competition or an event. Um, I think everyone involved needs to do a better job. And I think attendees too, even if you're not, even if you're not involved with the planning of an event, doesn't mean you can't make your voice heard and, and kind of share that, Hey, we want this, the whole reason we go to these types of things is to get that diversity of opinions and that diversity of insights. And if you're putting the same people in the, the same, you know, kind of homogenous group up on that panel, we're not going to get that learning experience from your event. And so I think everyone has a duty to kind of uh, go out there and, and make that voice heard and really make that request clear to anyone that's organizing these types of events. No, definitely. Where, what are some of the areas where you feel that you may have advantages as a female founder? And, and I guess what, um, 
you know, what would you maybe share with a young female founder that's just starting out? Let's say someone has an idea and they decide, you know what, March is my month. This is, I'm, I'm starting, this is happening. Uh, what, what are some of the things you maybe wish you knew when you first got started with Bright Bites? Um, and, and where do you feel like you have some advantages uh, because of being a female founder? So it wasn't until almost last year at this time, I heard of a program through Future Founders called WeBank, and it's the largest certifier certifier of women-owned businesses. And I actually competed in their student entrepreneur program and conference where I first learned about what it means to be a certified woman-owned business and supplier diversity. I didn't even know that supplier diversity was a thing and that these corporations have to spend X amount of dollars um, purchasing from minority or woman-owned businesses. So Bright Bites is actually in the final stages of becoming a certified woman-owned business and we're able to put that on our packaging and working with um, larger corporations, supplier diversity. So that's something that's been really fortunate and I never knew could have been a thing. And by just attending the conference and learning more about it, I was definitely interested in pursuing it and they've been really supportive. Is that something you'd recommend just uh, based on the process? And I imagine it's it's fairly intensive. Um, is that something you'd recommend someone start right away if, if they're a female founder, um, just start that process right out of the gate? Or are you happy that you waited a little bit to begin that process? I think I'm happy I waited a little bit. Uh, it's a great opportunity, especially going to their student entrepreneur um, pitch competition and conference. That would be the first step. And then you learn really the process to get registered and have people that have already done it to lean on because it is pretty intense with the paperwork and interviews uh, and something that you'd want your business to be a little bit more established and not just an idea. You'd want them to be ready to buy from you. So you'd want a final product um, once you're a certified woman-owned business. Just getting started, I would say the most important things for any female entrepreneur would just to find your network um, and know that it's okay to know to not know everything. So it's okay to not know exactly how you're going to do everything, but be open-minded and learn from people. Excellent. I think that's that's fantastic advice. And uh, one final question for you. Is there anyone kind of talking about finding your network, finding these resources, looking to others um, for, for some help and guidance and inspiration? Are there any female entrepreneurs out there that um, on social media or any other channels that you, you love to follow? You think they serve as a great inspiration for other uh, women-owned business, business owners and, and female entrepreneurs out there? Yes, Sarah Blakely is my role model, the founder of <laughs> And more recently, Allie Webb, the founder of Drybar, and more recently, uh, Squeeze is her new company as well. Excellent. I think uh, among many things, I do know I've, I've heard both of them on um, How I Built This and mm -hmm. fantastic episodes. And uh, yeah, I, I actually was just uh, on the interview before this was talking about how I think Sarah Blakely is – uh, the number one entrepreneur I follow on any channel. I love, love her content. She's just really real about it. And it's always so inspiring when she talks about how they got started and what they're doing now. And I just love their brand, but I just love how she is willing to give back and they do so many things um, to support female entrepreneurs now um, from their artists to other programming. And it's just really cool to watch her give back and, know that she's making a difference in a lot of, of our lives. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's uh, 
I'll say unfair and, um, yeah, let's say unfair pressure on female entrepreneurs to, I guess, quote unquote, fake it till you make it, um, to have more of a facade put up uh, as they're building their businesses than there is for male entrepreneurs? That's a tough question. I think it is for female entrepreneurs, we don't want to see, we don't want other people to see that we're failing or we're going through something difficult. Um, depends on what that could be. Um, we don't want anyone to really see that where males could be okay with someone knowing their failures and knowing that they didn't quite accomplish what they wanted in that month or year, Mm -hmm. um, or didn't win that contract or didn't get as far as they told everyone they would. Um, but for females, I think we tend to hide those things a little bit to make sure, you know, not just sharing the successes, because I think a lot of people are getting better about sharing how hard it is to, um, but it's definitely not the easiest thing to share and be super vulnerable about the stuff that happens in the, in the day-to-day that can be really difficult. Totally, totally agree. Um, well, Bree, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Thank you so much for for sharing all these insights. And, and you know, we really are inspired by your journey so far and, and are super happy to have played a, a small role in it and certainly hope to play a, a, an ongoing role in the future would you mind sharing um, folks that are interested about Bright Bites and you where they can find you? Yeah, so we have a website, brightsnacks.com, B-R-I-T-E, snacks. And then we also sell on Amazon. And we're on all social media at bright underscore bites. Um, and you can find me if you have questions about starting a business while in college or female entrepreneurship or any of our products. Um, would be happy to talk. Excellent. Well, Bree, thanks so much again. Really appreciate you joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Kelly. All right, take care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Future Founders Podcast. My name is Kelly Bertog, and I'll be your host for today. I am joined by Kat Samarja, who was part of our 2018 fellowship. Kat, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Uh, before we dive in, I was hoping you could just let everyone know um, if they haven't heard from you before in one of their other podcasts. Uh, just explain a little bit about your business. Yeah, absolutely. So I started my company, Locker Lifestyle, in college after my valuable store out of my gym locker. So I created wearable wrist wallets and pocket headbands that allow you to stash the essentials for travel, fitness, and festivals. Excellent, excellent. Well, um, Plenty to talk about there, but uh, as you know, the, the the kind of the main purpose of today, um, Future Founders is spending the month of March to really focus on our female network of founders. Uh, International Women's Day is coming up. There's some other big events happening here at 1871 in Chicago, where we're located, as well as um, really around the globe. And so we wanted to take this month to really kind of hone in on the amazing network of women entrepreneurs that we have and, and kind of talk about some of the things that... Uh, make female entrepreneurship uh, a little bit unique. And so to start, I wanted to ask if you had um, sort of any any insights you can share on, on some of the challenges you face being a female entrepreneur, uh, any personal stories or, or sort of anything that you felt like you've had to overcome as a, a, a woman entrepreneur and, and, you know, what you use to overcome those challenges. Yeah, I think probably for me, one of the biggest things would be defying social expectations. I think there's a lot of the environment that expects women to act, be a certain way, do business a certain way, things like that. And there's all this pressure to 
you know, kind of go into that. And I think what for me was at first it was easy to fall into those expectations. And I had people telling me, Oh, you know, you can't do this cause you're a girl or it was, you know, Oh, you're not supposed to be doing this or you don't let these suppliers look, know that you're a woman cause they'll treat you differently. And it was when I surrounded myself with other strong mentors, women in business and had my own brand mission values that kind of kept me at my strengths. And I was able to push past that and, and kind of leave and not give into that sort of environment when I had an even stronger support system around me. Very cool. So, uh, a lot, a lot to unpack there and lots of good insights. Um, in terms of the support group, let's talk about that because I think that's, that's a recurring theme that, um, we're hearing over and over as we've talked to, um, other young women in our programs. And, and I guess my first question for you is, you know, how did you go about building your support network? What types of resources did you seek out? How did you find them? How'd you learn about them? And I guess what have been the most valuable to you? So for me, my network started to build almost organically. I started and was able to fund my business based on grants and pitch competitions. And traveling through that, I made sure that I was connecting with as many people as humanly possible at these events that I would go to, just collecting a lot of cards, following up with a lot of people. And then when I was kind of sharing more of my story and being open about my struggles, then these people were more willing to help and offer support and connect me to those people. And so I made sure that you know, I started this monthly email list of the people that I wanted to update or the certain kinds of people that I wanted to get feedback from. And it started to build from there. But if there was someone specific that I was really looking for some insider help, I made sure I went to LinkedIn and found any mutual connections and would go from there or just cold emails, cold contacts, because what's the worst they could say is no. I think that's uh, that's great advice for any entrepreneur at any stage. Is yes, uh, generally the worst thing that can happen is they say no, um, and and then you contact them again and again, and still they can't say no. Yeah. <laughs> that's persistence. Yes, is is also a big part of the equation. Um, so in terms of of obviously, so you know, you're talking a lot about personal connections with various mentors and individuals that you think would be uh, valuable for your network. Are there any other tools or resources, even things like um, like podcasts or books or things like that, that you've found particularly helpful as a as a female founder? Specifically, to being a female founder, it's it's been a little challenging to find certain resources. But I'd say one is called Alice, and they have access to all these blogs and funding and things of that nature. But then I, within my smaller kind of friend group of entrepreneurs, we started a weekly um, text update and made our own spreadsheet of where we're tracking our goals so we can keep each other accountable. And then once a month, we check in with each other and make sure that, you know, we're all on track. And then if we're having any struggles, we're comfortable with each other and sharing those things and when working them out. That's so cool. How did how did that come to be? Was it just someone kind of took charge and started building it out, or had it been something you you all were talking about for a while? We all met at the same pitch competition and were sharing similar struggles and kept feeding off each other. And we really, I guess, meshed well as as a group. And it started off as the two of us, and then it added to a third, and now a fourth. Uh, a, you know, we're a strong group of women with different skill sets. And I think having a variety of them is what makes us so powerful. And 
being willing to help each other, regardless of we're the same or different industry is something that, you know, making sure that we're all, all succeeding is, is something that gives back. And then you're learning along with that. That's such a cool idea. I love, I love that concept. And it's, it's, um, I guess so easy to replicate for anyone out there, you know, and, and it's just a matter of taking that initiative and, and getting it started. But I, I think having that accountability with your peer group is uh, very impactful for anyone that's uh, putting a lot on their plate and struggling to get it all done. Yeah, it was a matter of prioritizing. It started off small, like, okay, it was just, you know, texting back and forth. And then we realized, okay, we want to be more accountable to each other. Let's get on a call once a month. So we did that. And then it was like, oh, how are we going to keep up with each other more? I, I keep track of things and prioritize this way. Well, the other one thinks it's better this way. And so we collaborated on the type of spreadsheet that we wanted. And, and it just builds from there. You're not going to have it right off the bat. It, it was this organic sort of growth. Very cool. No, that, uh, that makes total sense. And do, do you find, so having all this interaction, um, with your peer group, with other women entrepreneurs, do you find that you all have maybe some unique advantages uh, in terms of being a female founder, um, certain things that you think you, uh, are bringing to the table that, um, sort of give you that, uh, maybe untold advantage, uh, when it comes to building a business? an interesting question i would say actually at a lot of the local pitch competitions that i've done i've was one of the only women in the room from even the judges to the competitors and i think that was i found that as a positive and an asset that you know i was standing out in that way and i think in terms of social social contract and talking about social expectations i think um it's women are viewed as more empathetic for for certain things and situations so when you're building in a brand or you want an emotional connection you're not just worried about the sales I think as a woman that's something that is a power and a strength and that we need to utilize more of that that's not that shouldn't be seen as as a weakness that's a strength to me absolutely can we talk a little bit more? Um, it sounds like you've had quite the experience with some of these pitch competitions. And um, I'm just kind of curious, and, and this maybe deviates a little bit from being a female founder, just a founder in general. But um, in, in terms of your experience with these, uh, you know, have they proven to be uh, fruitful exercises in terms of, you know, do you view them as, I, I guess I'd be curious to know what your goals are going to, into these. Is it just a matter of, is it, is it trying to raise capital? Is it more about the connections you're making? Is it, uh, more just about the, the experience of, of talking about your business in front of strangers? What, what do you kind of look for in these competitions? And, um, you know, what have you gotten out of them? I mean, everything you mentioned is, is really important, but I've done over 14 of them and every single one I go in with the mindset of that I'm going to meet as many people as I possibly can. I'm going to talk to as many people as I possibly can, get as many LinkedIn business card connections and just see where it goes from there. And then the actual competition and pitching itself is more of an afterthought, even though it's obviously very important and has proved successful for me that's not my priority. And from there, it's like, no matter the outcome, I want to make sure that I talk to all of the judges. I get as much feedback as I possibly can. And after a pitch, I'm making sure I'm going back into the audience, getting feedback uh, from that, collecting the judges, score sheets, things like that, because in turn, I'm pitching myself in the business. And if there's these ways that if they have an outside in input into how I could improve and do that, that's something that I'm continually striving for. 
Uh, that makes that makes total sense. And going back to the example you gave, where you know you view it as a strength, you know, oftentimes if you were to walk into one of these competitions and see that you are one of the few females in the room, um, did you always feel that way, or is that something that only came with time? Um, and, and I guess my my question being. Uh, if there's someone out there that's just getting started and they're starting to experience this situation where whether it's a pitch competition, networking event, where I'm one of the few females in the room, you know, what sort of advice do you have for them? Um, you know, was that something where it just took a little bit of time to get comfortable with, or did you use actual strategies to transition from, well, you know, this is kind of a bummer to actually, this is a great opportunity for me. I've been lucky to always been surrounded by strong women in business and my mom and aunt started a business. And so I always had this sort of strength and never looked at being the woman, like a woman in the room as something that was different or odd. And I want to be able to run the business knowing that I'm a great founder, not just a great female founder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for someone starting out, it should be viewed as a strength and as a positive and that should be looked at to an advantage. You shouldn't have to feel like you should pity yourself or you're any less of a business owner because of, you know, gender, race, color, whatever it is, because it's, you know, what you put into your business, they're going to see your passion. They're going to see, you know, the products or services that you're creating and that's what you want to magnify. And I think that going back to defying the social expectations, like that's something that you continually have to tell and train yourself to not give into, because if you are confident about your brand and what you're putting forward, that's, what's going to shine. That's, that's great advice. Um, on just to kind of build on that, is there anything else you would share? Um, you know, just thinking about your journey so far and obviously it's, it's clear you're just getting started, but, uh, uh you've already accomplished so much. Um, is there any advice you would share with, uh, uh, a young woman that was um, just getting it, you know, just getting started, about to do their first, you know, pitch competition or, or launch their first business, and you know, something you kind of wish you knew when you were getting started, specifically as it relates to being a female founder. I would say more so relating to being a female founder. One of the things that I've continued to live by the past few years in starting my business is that everything is negotiable because at first, you know you in making connections and doing things you think that oh what you're talked about what's given is the best price or you know this is the limit of your opportunity but every single thing that I've encountered from talking with suppliers to you know meeting times with people to just the smallest bits it's like that is absolutely negotiable and it can't hurt to ever try and no matter what stage you are at your business there's always you can always do a little bit more no, that's, that's wonderful advice. Um, well, Kat, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I, I really appreciate you sitting down with us and, and talking a little bit about your journey and what it means to be a female founder. Um, I'd love it if you could share, uh, just let people know where they can find out more about um, yourself and, and Locker Lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. So we have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's just at Locker Lifestyle, L-O-C-K-E-R-L-I-F-T-S-T-Y-L-E. And our website is LockerLifestyle.com. And my name is Kat. You can find me on Instagram as well. So thank you so much for having me. This is great. Of course. Thanks again, Kat. Really appreciate you joining us. The Future Founders Podcast is produced by the Future Founders team. As a reminder, be sure to leave feedback about your experience with us today in our survey at the bottom of the ePass. Thanks for listening.